This episode is brought to you by Chapman University. From climate science to patient safety, genomics to drug design, Chapman University data scientists are turning massive information sets into life-changing impact. The future is unfolding in Chapman's Schmidt College of Science and Technology. Here, masters and PhD students join in cutting-edge research as they prepare to take the next big leap in their professional journey. To learn more about the innovative tools and collaborative approach that distinguish the Chapman program in computational and data sciences, visit chapman.edu slash data science. That's chapman.edu slash data science. All right, let's do this. How are you data scientists and engineers? How are you business people? What's up nerds? Did you grasp that thing you were studying? This is Data Science at Home, the podcast about machine learning, artificial intelligence, and more good stuff. I am Francesco, I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes, so grab a cup of coffee and join me as we learn more about the topics we love most. The financial system is changing, have you noticed? It is becoming more efficient, more and more integrated with so many other services that are making our life more, well, digital. Is the old banking system doomed to fail or just be disrupted by the smaller players of the fintech industry? Today I would like to answer some of these questions with uh, probably one of the most appropriate individuals in the fintech industry, uh, Alessandro Atami. He's the founder of uh, advisory firm Pacemakers.io, specializing in uh, digital transformation in financial services. He's been a practitioner in uh, digital innovation in finance for more than 15 years, uh, holding senior executive roles in uh, several leading-edge global businesses like Lloyd's, PayPal, and GA Capital. He's the non-executive director at Cash Plus Bank, a UK challenger bank, is also a mentor to fintech startups and uh, an investor in uh, several early stage tech companies. And uh, the list goes on and on. <laughs> I'm already tired, in fact. <laughs> Last but not least, Alessandro is actually the author of a very interesting book titled Reinventing Banking and Finance. And this book was just rated as the best overall book of banking in 2021. Hey, Alessandro, it's nice to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here, Francesco. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Cool. So today we're going to speak about a, a little bit of everything. Well, everything related to the fintech industry, of course, um, and also the intersection with, uh, you know, technology aspects of the fintech uh, innovations, which is uh, clearly in artificial intelligence, machine learning, data analytics, and so on. But first of all, I would like to ask you probably one of the broadest questions ever. What's happening in finance? Very good question. Um, I think what's happening in finance is what's happened to all our lives in all other aspects. Uh, technology has changed everything. And technology has enabled uh, business models that were established to be disrupted and to the creation of completely new new models. And this has impacted, as we well know, retail, the music industry, travel, politics, society in general. And I have finally hit financial services. And interestingly enough, I should have hit financial services a long time 
ago, uh, but because financial services, after all, it's all exchange of data, bits and bytes. Uh, but it hasn't. And the real reason for that were two things, two or three things that have changed recently that has allowed that. Number one thing is that, first of all, the technology has now become so robust and so resilient to be able to, de to uh, deal with um, data that is so important to everyday's, everybody's life and society and the economy altogether. So that's one big change. Secondly is um, customers are starting to become consumers and businesses are becoming more comfortable and confident in using technology to run their everyday life. Uh, third, regulators have realized that they um, have to adapt to a new world. So they're starting to engage with new business models and allowing new business models. And you can see it in the UK, but also in the US and across Europe, and especially in China. And last but not least, the investment from VCs and, and private equity firms, etc., in this sector has exploded. So it's uh, then if you compare the numbers between 2012 in 2018 and 2020, uh, it's 10 times as big as what it was. So the explosion and investment has been gigantic. Right. Um, so, so these are the four drivers. So we are looking, looking at um, a transformation moment for financial services. Uh, and uh, everything, and I'm sure that most of your, your audience right now does bank through a digital device rather than banking and branch. Well, for the record, my father, who's probably one of the biggest ambassadors of campaigns against computer science <laughs> rather than in favor, <laughs> he, he, used, he started using financial tools and services, digital services, uh, only two years ago. So I think that now something is really, really changing, I'm telling you. <laughs> but if your father's change into, into digital, then the world is different. <laughs> so I agree. Well, probably the world is already in, on other technologies when that happens. Yeah. Alessandro, I mean, what does this mean to all of us? Like, uh, we know that, uh, you know, the, the four things that are in fact happening, uh, you know, they're happening to, to in front of the eyes of people like you, who are experts, who are in this industry for so many years. But what happens to the, can I say, regular people? Well, regular people, I think the bottom line is that they get more choice. They get better quality of service, and they get more responsive banking than it was has ever been before. Um, there is obviously an, an element of getting used to it and again, understanding how everything works. But once you get through that, you will see that you have more more choices for what you need, and, and this is actually uh, making life of a lot of people easier. I mean, uh, imagine not having to go mm -hmm. to your branch every week to deposit the check. Right. Or imagine not having to go to get a loan. You have to stand in a queue and ask some some slightly arrogant individual. Um, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Uh, they're usually very nice people. Um, asking a nice person to tell you if you're eligible for a loan, and then they, this person looks at you and says, "Computer said no." <laughs> so you you actually can do that uh, right now, sitting in the comfort of your home, and be told no by in the comfort of your home, or. You can shop around by just clicking a few things and you don't have to right. be bouncing off different branches all, all the way to do that. But all in all, I think you get much better control of your money, you get better deals, and you get more transparency of how the bank is serving you and um, making your life better, but also making money from you. Yeah. So all in all, a good thing. 
And and with this, you know, with the confinement and the lockdowns, this is even more prominent, you know, as a habit. It's much more important to... It is. I think you have to look at the different players in, in, in uh, how this been, has it have been impacted by fintech or the financial transformation. Uh, I think the big branches were actually quite comfortable. The big banks were actually quite comfortable in not having to shut down their branches hmm. because it's a business model that they know and they know how to make money from it and so on. When fintechs came about and the people started started going to branches less and less, and they had to adapt. They had a disadvantage um, that they had all these fixed costs that they had to get rid of. So COVID uh, created a fantastic reason for the banks to explain and justify why they were shutting down branches, something that has happened, obviously, in the last few years. Right. But that allowed an acceleration. And interestingly, uh, when they were shutting branches in the past, people stopped, uh, complained about it. Now with COVID, they don't complain. <laughs> So, because they actually prefer not to have to go to a branch. Course. So it's a it's a it's a big uh, plus. The COVID has been a big plus for the big banks, um, as far as cost reduction is concerned. Now, if they have other challenges that we can go to, if you want, and not only um, for the banks, that's, I would say, uh, not only for the banks. I think all of us are, are going to find COVID a quite a challenging time. As far as a technologist is concerned, COVID is going to be uh, a moment, a, a game changing moment, yeah. because um, the accelerated adoption of uh, technology by in all industries, not just financial services, will reflect itself in the need for better technology, right? And better understanding of what things do. So. Yeah. Well, speaking about game changing, and probably I should use a better word, which is disruption. Uh, so, speaking mm. about digital disruption, we have seen that uh, okay, this is affecting the the, the current banking system for sure. Uh, but in many other domains, we have seen, for example, access to uh, data in real time. And so uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning and data analytics pretty much integrated in, in, in the data of everyday life, you know, from, from groceries yeah. data to, to biggest investments to social media and everything around us. Uh, now, my question to you is, um, is this is such a digital disruption good for the current banking system as we are seeing it today? No, it's not good for the current banking system, but it's good for banking and it's good for customers. Hmm. Let me explain. I think uh, what digital technology has done is the ability of transforming the relationship between the consumer and the bank. So with data analytics, I can have a complete understanding of my customer on the basis of how they spend their money and how they engage with me. Uh, I'm able to um, create products for the customer that are exactly matching those needs. Instead of creating, for example, a, credit, a, 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 a loan that is designed for the three price tiers based on the, on the background of the customer, with, this, with deep tech analytics and a bit of AI and a bit of intelligent um, uh, risk underwriting, I can create a, a pricing model or a product model that is exactly matching the customer's profile rather than a customer segment. So the concept of segment becomes almost irrelevant and it becomes every customer becomes a segment on its own. And we could create a solution where a bank has a pricing that is differentiated for every customer on, basis of, on the basis of their needs. This would not have been possible um, 10, 20 years ago. Interestingly, it was possible at the beginning of banking. So if you think about the medieval banking, and uh, we've had this discussion before, and obviously they were Italian <laughs> because you and I are Italian, right? 
But the first bank, the first bank was in Genoa. It was called Banco di San Giorgio. That's before the Pasqua di Siena that everybody knows about. Um, when the banker and the bank and the customer are sitting together, the banker created the product for the customer. So the banker wasn't thinking which personal loan should I give this guy, which which trade loan should I give this guy. They were thinking, what is this guy? And I'm, there were always guys, so I apologize. Um, <laughs> they 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 would say, what does my client need? What do I know about this client? And they know everything about their clients because they were living in small communities and they all knew each other. Right. I was about to say that, like it was a small village and it was, you know, much easier to get in touch with the real personal life of, of people. Right? Exactly. And they knew exactly what properties this person had, how his trade has gone before, mm -hmm. what own, what does he own, what is the what are the needs of his family? So, so that's. So you think that? So you think this is there's a mirror image to that? Let me take that because it's even more interesting. Mm -hmm. than that. Um, the customer was also empowered because the customer belonged to the same community as the banker. So if the banker screwed the customer and gave the customer a bad deal the customer could ruin the reputation of the banker and therefore destroy the business of the banker. Okay. Sure. But now wait, well, let, let me, let me, because if I, let me catch on this, yeah. but so, okay. So you're saying that now this is happening like on, on a much bigger scale, uh, you know, this personalization, right. Of services yeah. and finance. Um, now the difference that I see in what you're saying is that in, in middle age, <laughs> Banco San Giorgio, uh, they had a very limited population. Yes. Uh, while now they are, you know, these these banks can can get access to, uh, you know, to much much bigger numbers in terms of and still be, uh, you know, no get to know the personal life of the single individual. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So well, that's that's what technology has done. You know, in the past when we had the computers getting into banking in the seventies and eighties and nineties, there was no possibility of doing this. So everything mm. had to be standardized and segments had to be created and some rule had to be created why Alessandro gets this deal and Francesco gets this other one, okay? Right. Now they say, okay, what does Alessandro really need? And they would create a product, they could create a product for me. Now, the big challenge that we're facing right now is not the, the, the technology allowing them to do that, is the banks not wanting it. Mm. Because the banks are living a legacy problem and the legacy problem is not technology. The legacy problem is process. Okay, it's the way they do things, and and this is the this is one one fundamental problem. Um, I have two bank accounts for my business uh, with two different banks. One of them is an established incumbent, um, and the other one is a challenger bank. I went with the same exact data to open bank accounts with both of them. The first one took two and a half weeks to open a bank account. The second one, ten minutes. Okay, they were accessing the same regulation. They were accessing the same set of data from me. But one of them was able to use the law and implement it in 10 minutes. One took two and a half weeks. The reason for that is not technology. The reason for that is process. process. So, yeah, so I, I agree with you. I mean, this, not, this is not only a technological problem, especially with finance. We have seen this a number of times. It's, it's regulation, it's law, it's politics. It's a lot of stuff that, you know, goes beyond technology per se. Um, what, uh, what is your opinion about confidentiality and uh, you know, abuse of data for other purposes, for example, other purposes than banking. You know, the fact that now yeah. the challenger bank, in fact, can get access to uh, what I buy, what I like, uh, my my uh, my social media, uh, my friends on different social media channels, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, is that a problem? Yes, and it's but it's also a great opportunity. So, for, um, let me ask you this question: If Facebook came to you, 
okay? Or a startup came to you and said, I'd like access to your bank information. Mm -hmm. What would you say? What would you say? Uh, well, no. <laughs> no. I don't want to if, if Facebook came to you and said, uh, Francesca, I'd like access to your bank information because I can reduce your mortgage rate by 2%, what would you mm -hmm. say? Yeah, I see where you're going. Uh... Oh, more interesting. <laughs> what would you say sure. if Facebook came to you and like access to your bank data and to reduce your mortgage by 2% and then I will share your bank data with everybody I know? Well, money talks, right? <laughs> okay. No, because even in that context, you may want to say, well, you know what, Facebook, even though it's a good deal, I don't want it. Okay. Mm. So what's happening right now is the, is, is the perception, is a realization of the technology firms, uh, especially social platforms, that the financial information has a lot of value for them to support their business models. Uh, the banks are realizing that their data has a value, but they're keeping it tight. And what's happening, most importantly, is customers are realizing that their data can be used in ways that they don't want it to be used as. Okay. And that's when the regulator is stepping in. Uh, hmm. So what we're seeing, I think we're going in the future, is we will see the empowerment of the end user by the regulator to be able to open up their data and to close them. We'll see huge fines uh, taken to people who misuse this data, organizations that misuse this data. And it's all going to be driven by a more intelligent regulation of financial services, which has to include data in it. Right. Okay. okay. So regulation is going to play a gigantic role in, in um, the way we run our finances and yeah. our data. And, and, and Europe is doing that pretty nicely, right? So I, far. Well, I mean. I've had several uh, open panels with uh, bankers and technologists and regulators from across the globe. Uh, interestingly enough, Europe is seen as, was seen as a place where too much regulation was brought about and it was making life difficult. But that is changing. So on one side, you're seeing, for example, regulation like GDPR and PSD2. GDPR, obviously, is the data regulation. Mm -hmm. And uh, PSD2 is the opening up of bank information re um, required by, this, by the uh, regulate, European regulator of all the banks in Europe. Yeah. What is happening is that initially the rest of the world was saying, what a stupid thing, Europe is going to shoot themselves in the foot. But then slowly they're adapting themselves to that. So if you look at GDPR, you see Amer various American states are looking at regulating their data along the lines of GDPR. Right. You're seeing abuses of data, personal data in places like China, um, where, where customers' politics are being put into financial services and therefore creating this, this uh, misuse of information by the state in the case of China. Um, and you're create, realizing, customers are realizing that the European regulation is something that most of the countries of the world are actually going to adapt and, and, and import. Maybe not to the same extent as the Europeans, because the European regulation is also evolving as we speak. But the, the fact that the, a big player in the way we run our lives and the way we, we conduct our technological lives has to be regulation is becoming evident to everyone. So uh, clearly, in this ecosystem, there are different players, right? Uh, who is going to win? Interesting question. So, uh, if um, so, we have let me let me talk about maybe four different players that I think are important to look at. Uh, one is the incumbent banks, and these are people that have lots of customers, lots of money, and element of trust. You have the fintechs; they have maybe enough money that they need to build a proposition. They have customers, but they potentially have uh, issues with regulation. Um, and then you have technology firms, both people that are not into financial services, but which use data, mm -hmm. it's big social platforms. 
And then you have the technology providers. Uh, and these are the banking platforms. These are the, um, the data analytics companies, the AI firms, and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. What is going to happen, I think, right now is that as banking is evolving, banking will have to change and it will have to go. Um, I don't know if you remember, um, if you, you read the chapter in my book about this, but um, the best analogy to explain what's going to happen is what's happened in the music industry. Right. Uh, Tower Records is, is, was a big store that was present in all the big cities in the world, including London and, pa and, and Paris, no, but not London, New York, etc. And uh, the Virgin Megastore was the big store in Paris. When digital, when uh, online music delivery happened, so Napster and iTunes happened, these guys started getting worried about it, but they were not able to transform their business to do that, nor were they willing because they were convinced that their customers wanted to come into their stores to buy the records and browse and to be humiliated by a salesperson that thought that their taste in music was terrible. So what happened is that over when um, iTunes started, after four years after the start of iTunes, uh, Tower Records went into bankruptcy. And this was a business that had been around for 30 years before that. So some, something completely surprising to the industry. iTunes dominated the world by doing what the stores were doing. So they were selling music. They were selling songs and albums online with their own criteria. So they were replicating identically what the bank, what the, uh, sorry, Tower Records was doing about on a digital space. They were replaced by Spotify and the streaming systems. Uh, because Spotify came and said, actually, customers don't want to buy music. They want access to all music. And they're willing to pay a monthly fee to have that. Okay? Right. Changes the, shifts the paradigm, changes the business model. And iTunes would have been the first to be able to, to adapt to a streaming model. But they only did this six years after iTunes was started, when it was too late for them to have a dominant play. So now they have a streaming business, but they're not by any stretch of the imagination a dominant play. Now, if you do that, the analogy, if you move that analogy to the financial services sectors, the incumbent banks, the Barclays and the Citibanks uh, are the tower records of the banking industry. They are there they're digitizing, they're creating towerrecords.com, etc. but they're still selling the same old model that was possible in store. Um, the challenger banks, the fintechs, are actually a little bit like iTunes. Okay, They're doing what the banks were doing, but they're doing it online. <laughs> and what we don't know is who is Spotify. <laughs> who is the that is creating that? And we see some examples of it possibly in China, uh, WeChat Pay, etc. We hear that some concepts that are being wheeled around, the embedded banking concept that we you hear a lot, a lot about talking about. So banking embedded into your everyday yeah. life so you don't see it anymore. And, and that is uh, the big challenge you have right now because we, we see the tower records of banking. We see the iTunes of banking. We don't see the Spotify banking clearly. Well, what do you say is, uh, I mean, it's perfectly, it, it makes sense, absolutely. I mean, it's also exactly what happened, in you know, if you look back. Um, and it was possible because of technology, as a matter of fact. You know, the fact that we had uh, a much bigger bandwidth for, for exchanging data. So far, we were exchanging text, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we could exchange MP3s or or streaming music and so on and so forth. So you mentioned technology is essentially a playing is essentially playing a key role here. Now, my question to you is does this mean that finance is all about the right technology? Uh, the finance is all about technology, yes, but it's not necessarily all about specific types of technology. It's about the use of technology. Hmm. And what's happened right now is, yes, we want to do, we want to 
you know, for example, data analytics is going to be is not going to be is a core requirement of financial services. Which platform you use to do that is not as relevant as it mm. used to be, because there are many competing solutions technologically that can do the same thing, and that makes a funny in a funny sort of way technology as fundamental, but also technology as replaceable. To be honest with you, Alessandro, we have uh, seen this happening also in uh, in the field of data science and, and artificial intelligence. People focusing a lot on the particular neural network that is going to solve that particular problem, when after all, probably several neural network architectures would have been doing good enough for solving exactly the same problem. So in, uh, in a smaller world than, uh, than, than yours, because I believe that finance, the financial world is much, much broader than, than data analytics, um, we have seen this. Uh, we have seen this happening. You know, the, the fact that uh, people focus too much on the, the, the narrow technology or the narrow solution is going to solve that particular problem, when in fact, as you say, uh, the problem is is much bigger than that. It's interesting. One of the outcomes of the digital revolution has been the fact the need for not being too specialized as individuals. <laughs> and our ability to go beyond just understanding, I, I, you know, I program in Python and that's all I do. That's no longer good enough. And I think you need to start thinking to yourself, okay, what is it that I actually do? What is the, what is the distinctiveness of what I yeah. do and how is it transferable? So I think every one of us has to expand beyond the, uh, the the ex- day-to-day expertise to see, think about usage, to think about evolution, Absolutely. to think about adjacency. Absolutely. Well, also because the uh, when it comes to artificial intelligence and machine learning, for example, we always said that that was kind of the intersection of several disciplines. You know, when you apply, for example, uh, we have seen this happening to uh, personal uh, personalized finance or precision uh, precision medicine as well. Uh, you know, you have mm. uh, it, everything is kind of at the intersection of several uh, disciplines and several fields, and where the single technology or you know, the, te- the technology per se is not actually solving the problem is is an aggregation of things. Uh, so I hundred percent agree with you, uh, Alessandro. I have uh, another important question that I wanted to ask you uh, after reading the the, the free chapter <laughs> of your book. Um, yeah. What are the most important trends today? Okay, so data analytics is the number one trend. So the ability to process data um, is is fundamental. So um, being able to do that efficiently, effectively, and uh, with um, good outcomes in mind, so understanding the UC rate. So that's on one side, then let's look at the two sides of the data analytics. In order to be to, to be able to analyze data, you will have to think about gathering the data. So the whole API discussion is going to become fundamental. So banking APIs, financial services APIs, connection to databases across different types of industries will become a core element. Uh, but also data that is generated just by not by just by people. So we have this proliferation of devices. If you look at the type of connection, how many devices are connected to your own home? Yeah. You're probably surprised. <laughs> countless. Uh, all, of, countless. So all of these devices potentially have a financial dimension potentially attached to it, a billing dimension, a bill, ability to allow you to do what you want to do without having to worry about taking your card out at all the times. Mm-hmm. Add to that uh, robotics in the sense of physical robotics with self-driving cars and drones and so on and so forth. So I think we're going to see a huge source of data and the capture of data in a variety of ways. So 5G networks are going to be overwhelmed very soon. <laughs> so that's, that's not going to be enough. So they're already talking about the following generation. <laughs> so, 
But then, okay, so we have the gathering of the data, we have the processing and the analytics of the data, we also have the storage of the data. And the storage of the data has to become a cloud. It has to be expandable and contractible, all these type of good things. It has to be uh, disaster resistant and so on. So a lot of the players in that sector will become um, much, much um, more important in our lives. But at the same time, they will become more more commoditized. So uh, and that's going to be a trend that is inevitable unless they can create additional differentiations. And that's the next thing that you have to worry about because the storage of the data is worthless if it's not secure, okay? So cybersecurity and all of everything that's that's related to making sure that your data is safe and secure, et cetera, is going to be key, but also compliant. Because as I said, regulation is going to become a fundamental thing. So uh, we're going to have to be able to understand how were they storing the data, how we're using the data, who's using the data, and so on and so forth. And interesting enough, Artificial intelligence is going to be key on that to adapt to regulation in real time. So if the law changes, a human has a really hard time to make sure that you know terabytes of information are up to date. Of course, uh, AI can do it in, in in a fraction of the time. Right. right? So how do you look at? Uh, uh, there is one thing that I was craving for you to mention, which is cryptocurrencies. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the what, it's the future. Was that on purpose or? <laughs> No, I think it's, a, it's a, on purpose. It's something that you, I want to keep away from, but at the same time, it's inevitable that you have to talk about. <laughs> uh, so crypto is the logical next step. Okay. Uh, and maybe it's not going to be Libra. It's not going to be Bitcoin, but there may be a, be a central bank currency and so on. It's the logical next steps. In a world where we can exchange information in milliseconds from, from my computer to yours, and we're in different countries, etc., why does money have to go the way it does? Okay. Right. So if, if, I, if I go on any other banking house right now and make a bank transfer to you, what actually happens is that I instruct my bank to send money from, to instruct a bank in the country that you're in, to accept a counterbalance payment from us to them. The payment does not move. The money has not changed hands. They're just clearing these things internally. Sure. And the money then comes in. If, I, if I'm able to use a cryptocurrency, I'm actually physically sending the money from my device to your device. Okay. So it's no longer giving orders to a series of people to execute the transaction. I am moving the money. Okay. Hmm. And as simple as that says, I'm oversimplifying things, by the way, of course. Um, it's, it's such a better way of doing things that it's fundamental. The challenge you have is not just regulation and security, it's that, is politics. The, one of the things about currency is money supply and the ability to be able to control that and to dominate that and to be able to use that to try and charge prices, to control inflation, to control these things. No government in the world is going to give that away. And no organization in the world is going to feel comfortable in, in doing anything like that if the governments are not on board. So are you saying that governments will declare war to cryptocurrencies sooner than later? Uh, you haven't noticed. They already have. And they are fighting it every day. So, And what they, they're fighting it against is with central bank currencies, digital currencies. And these CBDCs are going to be uh, are becoming like the euro, the crypto euro or crypto dollars, and so on and so forth. Um, these are going to become a component of the money supply of the country, and they're going to uh, be the crypto, be the currency of the future. 
that at some point we'll realize that the existing currency will just become that. And right now, the way they're operating, these cryptos, um, these central bank cryptocurrencies are backed by physical currency, which is, I'm sorry, I'm going financial services here, but it's very similar to, to the, the way the currencies were backed by, the, by gold in the past. Yeah. Okay. They, so we will have to change that. There will be a new way of doing this. The effect, whatever way this, I'm not going to go into details on how they're going sure. to do that. What's going to happen is there will be a creation for services that are, that are able to use this information. And there will be, it will be an industry that we'll all, all have to engage with. But more importantly, the industries today that make billions and billions of running payments from you to me are going to disappear. They will become redundant. Hmm. Wow. Okay. That's a big so, statement, but time will tell, definitely. <laughs> why do you need SWIFT? Why do you need all these sure. bank transfers if you ha I can send money directly to you? I don't need that. No, no, no. It's a, it's a perfectly rational conclusion. I, I'm, uh, I agree. Um, okay, cool. And what, what's going to be great is making sure that you are you, that mm -hmm. it's legal for me to send you the money. Right. The money cannot get does not get siphoned away in and wait on my process you know, while I send it to you and all these kind of good things. That's going to be a big, much bigger industry than it is today. Well, it's a it's a, there's a lot on the on the plate here. Um, I have one other question that I would like to ask uh, Alessandro, and I take this as a chance. Banking the unbanked. I've seen this kind of as a trend somewhere in the states. Is it? I mean, yeah. I, I would I would really appreciate a personal opinion. Uh, Wearing the hat of, of the book, uh, Francesco. When you read it, you'll find out. Um, the <laughs> it is fundamental. One of the greatest things about digital is that there's many, many more people that have mobile phones than they have bank accounts across the globe. And uh, the ability of using using technology to be able to have these people enter the financial services world is going to change the economy worldwide. And it's not just a question of fairness and uh, anti-discrimination and so on. It's just when the market increases, when there's more people that can engage in selling, making, buying things, the economy grows, and we will go into we will become more more successful as 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 a as a, as a, as a humanity. Right. And I think that's going to be one of the big trends of um, of um, of financial services technology. I don't know if you know the story of you know in Pesa, of course, right? The the currency that was mm -hmm. created in Tanzania and in yeah. Kenya. Okay, and Pesa was ex was taken to Afghanistan by the local player, who's a Vodafone affiliate entity, and they said, "Okay, we are now. Um, in, it's called Mpesa over there." And they they said, "Okay, we will use this to pay the salaries of the policemen and the soldiers of the of the country." Right. So from one day to the other, they said, "Paychecks from now on will be paid on your mobile phone." Okay. <laughs> uh, the head of uh, Mpesa just went on on television and told everybody the the different organizations, the military and the police informed their people, and this went on. So day one, the C, suddenly this guy came off back to his office, and he realized that there were millions and millions of notes and thank you notes on his desk and in his in inbox, thanking him for an increase in salaries that they had received. Hmm. Okay? So these soldiers were actually finally receiving what was due to them and not having it siphoned off by their bosses as the money was coming their way. Hmm. Okay? So hmm. that... That that is an example of how transparency of of, of technology can actually improve society. By the way, uh, Empire was removed from 
the salary payment of policemen and, and soldiers. Um, <laughs> three, three months after this was introduced. Alessandro, I have one very last question and uh, probably one of the most important ones. Uh, when will I get a free signed and pay attention to the words free and signed are equally important copy yeah, of your book. One in the post. You, you deserve one. Uh, Francesca. Absolutely. <laughs> Dedicated. Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed. Is there a contact that the followers of Data Science at Home can get, uh, reach you out? Well, uh, pacemakers.io is always a good place uh, if you want to reach me. The website, there's contact there. But uh, I'm also quite responsive on LinkedIn. Um, look me up and just send me a note and I'm happy to respond. That's great. And uh, we will add all the links in the show notes of this episode, as always, on uh, datascienceathome.com. Alessandro, it was nice to have you here. Thank you very much indeed. It was a pleasure, Francesco. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.